No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out.
Hey, look at that. All three tracks are recording. Say hi, Mel. Hi. Say hi, Apple. Hi. All right. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas Merry Christmas, no Merry simple Christmas road Eve. families. Yay. Merry Christmas, no simple road. I yeah. Think, you know, one of my favorite Listeners, family, first timers. Christmas falls on a Friday. Yeah. That's Can we petition awesome. the ca- calendar gods? Like kind of like <laughs> they do at Thanksgiving, how it's always on that. The, what is it, third Thursday mm-hmm. yeah. of the month? I wish Christmas was like, you know, like on a Friday. So you get a three day weekend. And yeah, man. It's so that week. Looking forward to it. So here's the deal we wanted to hook you guys up with a little pre Christmas love. Tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Pacific is the No Simple Road Christmas episode coming to you guys. It's a special something, something. But you can't open it until tomorrow morning because it's not Christmas yet. But we had a wonderful conversation with Michael Falzerano from the New Riders of the Purple Sage, um, Hot Tuna, and a million other projects, Zen Tricksters. And we wanted to give you guys a little something on Christmas Eve. And he did something really rad. It's called A Kaleidoscope Christmas. And it's all... New, uh, new versions. No, no. not new versions. No, it's new. It's his new own stuff. stuff, except Jingle Bells, but he's done it his way. Jingle Bell Jam. Yeah, Jingle Bell Jam. Um, Boogie Woogie Christmas. Oh my gosh. 4, 20, uh, 12, 24. Um, it's not getting way too high on Christmas And I feel Eve. like that right now. I do. That's I good. Would, you should feel yeah. like that on Christmas Eve. Right before we recorded, I said, you know what? I am going to take his advice and that's why I said, hold on, I'll be right you back. You got to speak up, Jake. I mean, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's catching on. <laughs> um, so here, check this out. So last night we recorded this this conversation with Michael. And we were being studious and fastidious workers of No Simple Road. And we were like, we're going to record the intro now. And I'll get it. And I was like, I'll get it out tomorrow afternoon. So they have it for Christmas Eve. <laughs> And this morning I sit down and Mel's microphone track was gone from the entire interview and the entire intro. So just a heads up, um, no pun intended, you're going to hear the interview. I, I, I'm still putting it out. Um, I had to do some audio wizardry to make Mel hearable in the episode. Um, so if you're wondering when you're listening why it sounds funny, that's why, man, we had technical difficulties, but this is an important episode and I wanted you guys to hear it. And so I, timely manner. yeah, it, and you guys will not hear me at all because Aaron just, that's not true. Kicked me out of the room. Not true. Oh, you're no, on the I, end. Yeah. I came in at the very end of this cause I was working. And got home late, so yeah. It so yeah. Imagine my shock when I said I'm all happy and ready to do my thing, edit the show, and get it out to you guys this morning, and start playing it back. And there's these big dead spots where Mel's supposed Ooh. to be talking, and I'm like, "What That's no the fun. fuck?" Because we had such a fun conversation, and he enjoyed it too, and he he even, had fun too. Yeah, yeah, he had fun. Uh, so yeah, Michael, thank you for being a little piece of magic during Christmas. There we go. Yeah. I was a little bit far back from my mic. Sorry guys. Uh, but yeah, 
it was so fun and it brightened my spirits yesterday and it brought a little bit of like freshness to the house, you know, nice, like cool, you know, breeze that just like a little, little snowy Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So what you guys should do is listen to the episode and then when the episode's over, go on whatever streaming platform you you stream your music on and look for a kaleidoscope Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, a Michael Falzon, Falzerano and friends. Um, I think that's what it. Friends what, and family. Uh, yeah, it's a kaleidoscope Christmas. That's yeah. for sure. I just can't remember the. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. A kaleidoscope Christmas. Okay. And stream that and check it out. What when you're, you know, chilling by the fire, listening to the crackle and it's all warm in your house. And these are some new Christmas jams by a Grateful Dead royalty, basically. I mean, new writers of the Purple Sage. He's played with Hot Tuna for 30 plus years. This guy is Plays no with everybody. slouch. Yeah, you'll, get, you'll find that out too. He, it was that, I don't know. He was just that connection back then, you know? The yeah. Con- the connection of everybody in the San Francisco time of the late 70s and coming up. And it was a really fun story. So tune in. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited about this one because I get it when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to put it on because I didn't, I wasn't here. Yeah. yeah. You're going to get to, yeah. Get, I get to listen to No Simple Road. <laughs> <laughs> I, I That's a fun Christmas Eve thing to do. Yeah. Wrap some presents. Have some hot chocolate. Yeah. All right. So before we do that though, you, we, I hate to like redo what we did last night, but why? I, just because it was it was um what do you call it god i'm kind of out of it too uh it was fresh last night it was spontaneous is the word i'm well, looking what's, for okay so what's going on tonight so what question. i yeah the question that i asked last night stony mcgee it's brand new to me <laughs> mel's like what question did you ask Play last intro. night what well, i wasn't there obviously your track didn't show up listen um, it's my Friday. No, okay, I, I got to say something too. This is funny because I came home this evening. Mel is cracking me up tonight. She's <laughs> channeling her grandson. Yeah, she is. She heard the oh faces. My gosh. She's, she's like, she goes, "What's Christmas Eve?" She, she's like mischievous. And There's like, mischief she's about. She's like kind of sneaky and looking at things and sparkly and glowy <laughs> and making funny faces. It's just hilarious this evening. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing. I come out of the kitchen. And she's like, she has the front door open and she's peeking outside and then looked at me like she got caught doing nothing. Something. I was like, what? She, exactly. She's like, nothing. And they closed the door real quick and just stood there and looked at me. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. All it's that funny did happen. Yeah. It's, it's rad. I wish you guys could be a fly on the wall here sometimes and see the shit that goes on because it, it. They the, are a fly on the wall. This is it. I guess that's true. It, it's. 65% of the time around here, 70% of the time around here is total fucking comedy. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of true. Yeah. The other, the other, whatever, 30% and not so much. It's pretty but boring. Anyway. So we were talking last night and I, I said, okay, I'm going to ask a question and uh, you can't, your answer can't be that COVID goes away. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So. If you could have one Christmas miracle, what would it be? And do you remember what you said, Mel? I do remember what I What'd said. What'd you say? I said, I wish that the 
ability for people to um, stop looking at each other like lepers and like they're scared of each other or like the other person is doing something wrong. You said you want everybody to be nice. I wanted, yeah, and to be nice and I wanted everybody to be able to be like, like I wanted touch to be okay again, you know, like just the arm around the shoulder or a hug or a real fist bump or a handshake. Those types of, I just, for, for me, that's what like I miss from like you're like love your cons you guys both said fish you know um but i've changed mine now okay that's that's totally fine i'm holding on that's fine but um i just that that's that's the i I miss that so my christmas miracle is to see fish on new year's eve to be at a fish show on new year's eve with with that and then apple and i said the exact same thing but IRL, babe. Peace on earth. Right on, man. And goodwill towards goodwill men. towards men. Gifts for all. God of bless us, everyone. <laughs> like the old Steve Martin. I don't know if you guys remember that. Wait, hold on. Let me think about. It. No, no. Presents for all the children. Goodwill towards men. Wait, no, no, no. Peace on earth. <laughs> Keep on rearranging. Oh wait, no. I didn't take care of myself. No, I, I, I would say, because uh, current to the times and everything, that everybody got like a. $10,000 stimulus package. Hell yeah. All right. Like, hook us up. We all need to hook up. Yeah. To stimulate the comedy. The comedy. The comedy. We the do comedy. need to stimulate the comedy. I agree with that. The, the comedy economy. Uh, I, just, I just kind of felt that's less selfish than New Year's Eve fish show. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> that's cool, man. You no, do I, you, I, boo. I thought about that last time we picked the same It's thing. your own wish. Yeah. yeah. It's, you can wish your own wish. You know, Christmas time yeah, is that, t- there's a, they say like Christmas magic, the the miracle of Christmas and all that stuff. And yes, after however long Christmas has been around and people say that shit, it becomes trite and whatever and the words lose meaning. But every like myth that's out there has truth in it. And there is miraculous shit that does happen at Christmas. There's really wishes do come true stuff does happen and what i was saying last night was the reason i asked that and ask you guys out there to think about what your christmas miracle wish would be is because we're all manifestation engines we are part of a collective consciousness and if we think about those things that like okay a stimulus package is rad and a fish show is rad but what mel said all those things put together equal something on a completely different level than what we're talking about. And that stuff can be manifest in the physical when there's a lot of people that put their mental energy towards it. So that's why I bring it up, not to be trite or cheesy, but so that we can all well, put the, our, our, there, there's something about the Christmas spirit too. That's real. Like all the movies and so, you know, some people think it's corny and this and that, but like, uh, like on Elf and a bunch of them, like when the kids when kids aren't believing as much in the movies, yeah, yeah. and like Santa's sleigh can't take off and stuff. It's true. Kid, I mean, kids are the most magical because they haven't yeah. been 
tainted or you know anything yet they, they're excited yeah and I, I realized that when i started playing santa claus no you years. play santa yeah, like the first year Whoa. i did it it was just like yeah yeah i look like santa but i don't think you I play reali- santa you I, are santa well, I, I realized immediately that's a big responsibility when you're taking the beliefs of children yeah and that that first year i learned how to step my game up because kids will grill you they're like looking they're eyeballing you at the stink eye like mm-hmm. really oh yeah yeah and then they got quite <laughs> that first year it was somebody i worked with's daughter that that and it started growing she's just like lynn she warned me too renee, renee. <laughs> her daughter, and she's like eyeballing me and i first thing she like tugged the beard and was like oh okay that's real and then she's like what are your reindeer's names and i could only remember like three of them right off the bat Ooh. and then like she <laughs> then like mom backed me up and was like yeah this and then and then she was kind of looking like mom helped them so she hit me with like four questions and Damn. i was just oh, dude i got like i got like hot like oh my god i'm getting grilled <laughs> this kid, I, I realized it, i realized it was a big responsibility that you can't just half you got the santa sweats dude yeah, you can't just half if you're gonna do it I you can't, can't even just Ass, do it. You got to really, you got to become that. Yeah. It's a role. You need to be yeah. prepared. You got to do your homework. So then, you know, then you step it up. But the point of that is, I mean, this is a magical time of year. That, and I think that what the kids are manifesting, it is in all of us. Dude. That I- kid's still in all of us. And it brings it back around every year. It's, you know, like Mel being Jasper. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It turns it's, us all kind of, I'm kind of, we're all kind of goofy tonight. I it's remember. Silly time. There it was is. nothing like, there was one year when we lived in Vegas and both our kids still believed in Santa Claus. I took my work boots and put them in the ashes in the fireplace and made oh, step man. marks on the steps or on the mantle or whatever the. It's fireplace, Jesus, Aaron. And uh, <laughs> and when they got up in the morning and saw that, I remember the look on Simon and Sydney's face was just completely blown away. Like the most magical thing they had ever seen like in their... Like, yeah. Like you lose your breath. What? Yeah. Like... Like we would be at fish at New Year's Eve. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, like that. And uh, with our stimulus package, <laughs> and, and everybody hugging and each other. <laughs> that is a put ours all together, and that's a dope thing. Oh. Fuck yeah! Much fun would be had. Yeah. It'll happen, man. It's coming, and that, it, that's the other thing. You know, it, I know that the holidays aren't easy for everybody, and. Not everybody feels like Christmas is a magical time. Some people's families suck (laughs) and it's tough to be around them. And some people don't have families and they're out there by themselves. Some people can't be with their families. And some people can't be with their families this year. And and it's another added stressor. But you know what, man? 2020 has been a absolute dumpster fire of a year. It's just, it's been a shit show. But we made it this far, man. We it we're getting ready to close this year out. Like the book is getting ready to get shut on 2020. So no matter how you did it, no matter what way you made it through the maze of this year, you made it to Christmas. You guys, you did it. So that that's a wonderful fucking beautiful thing. Just that right there, that you're sitting here listening to our voices right now, wherever you're at, 
you made it through 2020. So that's something to celebrate. If you can't find anything else to celebrate about this Christmas, that is something. And then another thing that you can celebrate is that you have a No Simple Road family that loves you and that cares about you and that thinks about you and wants to do stuff for you and thinks about you when you're not around or when we don't hear from you guys. You're on our minds. We talk about you guys all the time around yeah, the house. Yeah, we do. And it, you're part of our lives. So that's something else, too. We have each other. And we made it this far, man. And this was a long year. It was like a workout. We're all stronger. You know, this this is a heavy year. Mm-hmm. This has made us strong in many ways. This is that Kanye, gooder, better, faster, stronger, that, 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 that don't kill you. That's what it reminds me of because we are like. When you become a prof- uh, like a famous rapper, can I just be your hype, man? Like Fuck yeah. Carry your towel and like Fuck yeah. go, what, what in the background yes. and hand you cups yes. and stuff. That'll be dope. Okay. I, I want to I be a hype man too. Yeah, I need to. All red jumpsuits. Yes. See? <laughs> uh, 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 uh. They what? can't see you, Apple. Cricket. I said, oops. Uh, okay. Sorry. All right, you guys. I'm sorry. Oops, We're off on a tangent. Mel, Mel just became a <laughs> yeah, famous rapper, and I'm yeah. a hype man. <laughs> no, no, just wait, wait, wait. Look for that heart album. That's right. It's coming Boom. in 21. So, no. yeah, man. One Trick Pony Productions. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. Whoop de whoop. What? Okay. Oh, my gosh. I thought I was kidding. You guys. I'm sorry. It's Christmas Eve. Shit's off the rails. It's Christmas Eve for that, and Okay, that was the other thing from last night. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna take an informal poll of all of you guys out there. In my mind, Christmas time is my favorite time of the year because we're with family. Nothing about the gifts. It's it's about the, the hanging out with the people that you love, and nobody has you're to go to work. About, you're talking about pre-COVID. Yes, okay. I'm talking about just just forget about COVID for a minute. We're just Sorry, talking about Christmas. I, I hate having to Stony. think about it. He's scared of the music. Yeah, <laughs> man. But there's one part of Christmas that really gets under my skin, and that's the Christmas music. And that that's one <laughs> ah, of the reasons humbug. that that I love what Michael did album, because yes. it updated all that old scary Christmas music. That shit is scary, man. Not it's, all of it. Remember we talked about that. 95% of it is super <laughs> fucking creepy. I just, I was thinking about it even more after we talked about it because I was like, was I wrong? Is Chris, is that just me? No, that's not just me. That shit is fucking weird. All right. It, I'm, I'm just going to sing you the first line of silent night. Silent night. Oh, uh, come on. That, that, that one doesn't count, though. Yeah, bullshit. Okay. That's a, that's the first. Uh, that's the one I've always skipped, and when we, my sister would be like, "Mom," no. <laughs> and all the all the cartoons are like the fucking reindeer gets picked on, or the, you know, Charlie Brown doesn't have a Christmas tree, and the the snowman there's a monster that ruins everybody's christmas and he's the grinch and he's going to sneak into your house and thrash all your shit but while you're sleeping they end up happy <laughs> of things that, you know there's a moral to him and stuff i don't know man it's all a little dark but i know you're for not my alone taste. there but then i i'm not alone either and and i i love like i said i love the crew being crosby frank sinatra is my absolute favorite when it comes to christmas songs there's I mean, a lot of you might know who Mitch Miller is. Some may not. That was one. It was a sing-along Christmas album stuff he did in the, from like the 60s and 70s. 
But I, I love Christmas music. Me too. And this morning at work, we listened to a uh, Bootsy Baby okay. Christmas, and that was—that's not what amazing. I'm talking about. That is amazing. not what I'm talking about. And we should hear it after this because it was so chill and so like. I'm talking yeah. about the the old standard Christmas songs. Come, they call him. Fucking creepy, man. The one one everybody that's kind of creepy is the one we all make fun of around here is that baby it's cold outside oh. she wants to go it's home. a rape song yeah, yeah. it's like no 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 <laughs> yeah totally he's not saying no and she's and she's trying to leave yeah. yeah it's not cool man so that that's i i love christmas but the christmas music's gotta go and this was a beautiful uh replacement for all of that I, yeah so this isn't this isn't your mother's christmas music this is all original stuff that Michael so wait, did. Do you have one? Is there one? Let's let, let me ask you a question. Let's do this. What's your favorite Christmas song? The Little Drummer Boy. One? Really? Because his name was Aaron. Yep. Okay, Mel. I like um, the Twelve Days of Christmas because I like to sing along. That's. Yeah. But my favorite is. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party. That's that one's even scary too. It is. It it, it it's scary. I, I, maybe it's it's from memories when I was a kid. Like, but there's a certain tone in the music, and the house is like kind of dark, and I don't know. I, it's, it's a weird like. I love. My mom I love would it. Hit me all the time while the Christmas music. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, he's trying to I, unlock some. I, I think I've said it many times. Mine's Frank, Frank Sinatra singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Yeah. I also like the um, the Hawaiian um, Christmas. Mel's know. tilting her head I'm back and forth. You guys can't see her. Thinking. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to That's supposed to tell me what, what, what it is. Her going, tilt her head side to side. Oh, oh well, that means. Gosh. Okay. No, I'll sorry, just, babe. I'll leave that there until I remember. Well, and now, now I have a new favorite, which is 420, 1224. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys have to go to tracks five and six on this. Have yourself a little 420 celebration and then do the eggnog shuffle. Eggnog shuffle, shuffle yeah. Some spiked egg eggnog and you'll be having a wonderful christmas eve <laughs> mm-hmm. well let's do it let's let's get him to the interview okay all right as we go into the interview it's another reminder the audio is a little funky on this one mel's voice is sounds like she's talking from Sorry, another guys room. i really wanted to join the conversation she was in on the conversation she made some really great points and i just 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 remember that when you hear it and it sounds weird you're like oh yeah Aaron told us that this sounds weird. So, so it's like a, a Christmas present, but like it's kind of broken the a little one, bit. The one side is like unwrapped <laughs> So you already. just got to appreciate it for what it is, guys. If one, you've been hanging in there for with us this long, you know it doesn't warts happen Warts and all, that baby. Often. Here we go. And you get to see a little bit of Aaron's editing magic. So Yeah. Mm, yeah, magic. This wasn't easy. From what no, this was not easy. <laughs> Pulling her voice from my mic's background track. And then having and then yeah. and having to re-record the intro the same night that he puts it out. So you guys, you don't really realize all the crazy timelines that are going on when you listen to this. I love you guys, man. I I we just want, I want to say to each and every one of you that can hear my voice right now, we made it. We made it to Christmas Eve. 
I'm proud of us. I want to do a I few shout outs. Merry Christmas. Go ahead, babe. I want to shout out, first of all, my awesome Chris Dyer hooded blanket that you got me. <laughs> Okay. For positive creation. I want to shout out my blanket. Yes. Also, my, my dope fork. Chinatown hoodie, Grateful Dead, Cr- Santa edition, uh, Dancing Bear. What the um, fuck? What? My <laughs> gray hoodie. Hell yeah. And also, a Mora Mora for my tie dye long sleeve black. Um, freaking long sleeve t-shirt that i absolutely love and everybody out there who sent us love and letters and i am so grateful for the no simple road family constant um reminder of just how alive and thoughtful and loving you all are so merry christmas from mel and just know that i love you guys and i think about you and we send love and energy and i'm flaky but i definitely love you guys and i only say that because i have a lot of things that i need to put like send out but it's out there it's, it's getting there, it's there. senor it's getting there well i'll just throw on top of that which we all this is speaking for all of us a uh, big shout out to shop tour bus electric fish lights and divine yeah, man. Wow. For being with us. You guys are constantly showing us love. Those yeah. those three sponsors in so many ways. And last but not least, Osiris Media. Oh wow. Fuck yeah, man. Our platform, our foundation. We wouldn't wow. we wouldn't be, be still doing this thing like this without you guys. So we're grateful for you. And all you guys out there, like I said. Awesome families. Yep. Absolutely. I'm we're grateful. I'm grateful to be part of all of that. Right. The the network that we've put together. That's pretty, pretty dope. Well, that's a little point of reflection right there. And that's the, some Christmas magic. And those people listening are part of that magic. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to get you to the interview, you guys. No, <gasps> no commercials this week. Uh, what? You, you got some bling you want to shout out? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Dennis <laughs> McNally. Yeah. Oh, yes. Dennis McNally always always taking care of No Simple Road. That's right. So thanks, Dennis. Merry Christmas to you, man. And all you guys out there, Merry Christmas. And without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Michael Michael Balzerano. Michael, welcome to No Simple Road, man. It is an honor to speak with you tonight all right well thanks for having me um i'm aaron where are you at in philosophically or (laughs) physically (laughs) let's let's go with both no yeah (laughs) physically for for right now we'll we'll stick with physically hard to say yeah philosophically hard to say uh but physically i'm in millstone new jersey it's a little town in central new jersey right outside of freehold new jersey that everybody knows it's the hometown of bruce springsteen yep 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 did you guys get pounded with snow oh yeah we got a good foot where i am there's still some on the ground a week later Whoa. uh the dogs love it i'm not so crazy about it uh, <laughs> but um you know what are you gonna do it's life in the northeast yeah man and we're in we're in portland oregon and uh it is a, uh, a crazy blustery night here yeah yeah now do you guys get snow up there yeah twice in four right. years yeah. Right. yeah it's right. it's cool man this is a it's a really chill place to live 
for the no, most part. I've been part. there many times. Yeah. I, I love it. I've been there many times. When when it's not 2020, it's really wonderful here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when it's not 2020, anywhere is a cool place to live. Right. You know? No shit, man. So, yeah. Michael, you yes. you did something really cool, man. This Kaleidoscope Christmas is fantastic, man. Oh, thank you, man. Mel, Mel and I were just sitting here going back through. We listened to the whole CD, actually. Number two, your original songs are so fun and awesome. And the, the last one, um, still standing, you're still standing. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up, I think, right? <laughs> yes, it does. We could have played that one and it would have set the tone for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was such a, it was so fun. Um, right. Well, that, thanks. Well, Jingle Bell, uh, Jingle Jam, that, right. that guys were killing it. And yeah, I mean, that, that one came together real, um, it was a lot of fun recording that one, you know, having Jason Crosby and Jeff Matson on a track is always exciting. You know, the two of them are fantastic players, mm-hmm. you know, they're monsters at what they do. Uh, I don't, there's very few Hammond organ players out there that can play like Jason plays, you know, and also he plays fiddle. He plays fiddle on a bunch of tunes on the record as well. I was going to say um, that. Yeah. You know, and he's a, you know, I've known Jason a long, 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 long time. Um, in fact, when we met, I think he was a little kid. <laughs> That's how long I've known. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, not a little kid, but you know what I mean? He was young. Mm-hmm. Um, much. Um, and, um, you know, the first time I met him, he, he came in and played on a, a tune I was recording for the late uh, Alan Woody, Last Train Out. And my friend uh, said, I w- wanted somebody to come in and play fiddle. And he said, well, you know, it's, I was on Long Island. He said, oh, you got to get Jason. Now, I'd always known Jason at that point. He was a young kid, and I'd known him. But I'd only known him as a piano player or right. organ player. And he said, no, no, he, that's how he started. He started playing fiddle and violin. you got to get him in here. So we called him up. He came right over that night. <laughs> it's like the strangest thing. Whoa. He listened to this track I was recording one time went in there and laid it down. And when you hear the track, Last Train Out, that he recorded, I think it's on my album, We Are All One, um, it just sounds like he'd been playing it his whole life. You know, it's exactly what the track needed. The part was perfect. I mean, and that's what he did on all these tracks. He played on, you know, um, on everything he played on on the album, Eggnog Shuffle, which Rolling Stone loved and did a review about. Um, he played on the Bethlehem Requiem for Diana, he played on, um, uh, Psychedelic Cowboy Christmas. He played organ on that. He played organ, a piano on 4-20-12-24. I mean, you know, you can't go wrong when you, when you bring Jason in. No. You're going to cover a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah. You know, hearing the mix of musicians on, on this particular album, I, I kept saying to Mel, they're killing it. Like the, when I think of Christmas music, man, it is not a jam yeah. <laughs> for me. I mean, well, I, I mean, that's what I set out to do. I mean, you know, and often when you start recording an album, it doesn't quite go the way you want it. But I got to tell you that this one actually did. You know, um, when I set out to do this with all my recordings, I like to get as many of the musicians in the room at the same time playing what I call playing live, playing together. Right. Uh, um, and I was able to get the core of the Zen Tricksters, an East Coast band. I don't know if you guys know who they are. Oh, yeah. It's t- Tom Sacosta, Dave Diamond, and Cliff Black, and myself. 
We rehearsed the tunes one day and went in the next day and cut all the basic tracks. And well, actually, eleven of the basic tracks. And then shortly thereafter, um, Jeff Matson, the leader of the Zen Tricksters, happened to be back in town off tour with Dark Star Orchestra. So he came in and he recorded all his guitar parts. And the next day, Jason came in. So it, it just everything just all fell into place. And truth be known, um, when you say, Melanie, you were saying, saying earlier that it's great that it came out this year. And I am so thankful that the Cosmos demanded that. Mm -hmm. Because I orig my originally planned to um, put it out in 2019. And we started recording all this in 2019, at the end of 2019. But I got jammed up towards the end of the year and I couldn't get it done. And so I got pushed into 2020. And, and I was still like, after the new year, I was still like, okay, we're going to get this done. And then COVID came to town. Right. <laughs> yeah. And everything changed and everything shut down and every, all my gigs were canceled and every, everything just like, it was like a bulldozer just knocked down the building, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was sitting around now, what, you know, and fortunately I had this, this project pretty much, you know, on the shelf ready to finish up. So I'd always planned on having Yorma, Jack and Pete Sears and a couple of the other guys play on the thing. So uh, I contacted them. I told them what was going on and they all have home studios. So they were actually able to record their parts over the live tracks. So you get that feel that it's that camaraderie and the feel of everybody yeah. playing together, you know? Yeah. You know, and everybody just came to the table right away you know, I, I'm very fortunate over the years. I've gotten to play with some of the greatest musicians out there, um, either record with them or, you know, go on tour with them or be in the band. Like, you know, when I was a kid playing the music of Hot Tuna, The Grateful Dead, and The New Rise of the Purple Sage and Commander Cody, if you had told me, oh, yeah, about, about 15 years from now, you're going to be in Hot Tuna for about 20 years, and then you're going to be in the New Riders for 15 years. And during that time, you're going to play with Commander Cody and all the guys in the band. And I, I would have been like, are you out of your mind? I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that, but it happened. So, you know, I've been very fortunate. So when I called everybody up, there was, well, whenever I call anybody up to play on one of my albums, it's there's never a discussion about, like, music business stuff. Like, well, let me talk to my agent or let me talk to my manager or how much am I getting paid or how many hours am I going to be there? It's always like, oh, cool, man. Where, where are we doing it? You know, tell yeah. me where to be. Where, when are you going to be there? You know, um, Yorma, Jack and Pete, you know, you know, I mean, those guys are busy. Those guys are busy, busy. You yeah. Know? Um, Heavy and they were hitters. like, yeah, just, just send me the stuff, you know, send me the stuff, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get, I'll get right to it. And they did, you know, and you know, the, their contribution to the tracks that they played on uh, is just beautiful. You yeah. Know? I think, um, I think today is Yorma's birthday. Actually, Today is Yorma's birthday. Today is Yorma's birthday. birthday. I spoke to him. Uh, yeah. I spoke to him early, earlier today, he turned 80. Now, you know, he and I have about a million miles on the road together. Right. And, you know, not that I ever thought this way, but to think when we were younger, because I met him when I was in my 20s and, you know, we toured for years through my 30s and 40s and, and into my 50s. And if you were to tell me, oh, yeah, you're always going to be 80, he's still going to be playing. He's <laughs> still going to be playing as be better than ever, you know, and he's going to be working more than ever. You know, uh, I would have been like, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, 
God willing, that's what happened, man. And he's doing great. He's doing great. Jack, too. I mean, you know, Jack and he, you know, they've both been clean and sober for many, many years. And, um, you know, it's saved both of their lives and and kept them in the game. And they're both playing at the top of their playing ability, in my opinion, you know. Um, Both Yoma and Jack, when you see them play now, it's like, you know, yeah, they were really, 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 really good back then, but mm-hmm. they really got something special going on now. Well, those know? those two guys put together is a is a magical combination. That that oh, is, no question about that it. to me is a, a, along the lines of a Garcia Weir combination. Yeah. Oh, it, there's no que- there's no question about it. You what, know? what do you think that is? That when when those when uh, you get a combination like that with two guys, is it just the vibe of the two guys they they click and and musically they understand each other or is do you think it's it's something deeper? Well, let me I'm going to go a little deeper here. Okay. I, it's got to be some kind of past life connection because mm. you know, with a guy, with two when two guys come together like Yorma and Jack, you know, or Bobby and Jerry. Now you could have put any two configure any anybody together with Jerry, anybody together with Bobby, anybody together with Jack, or you know, and it would have been good because they're all great musicians, you know. But something happens when the two of them get together, you know, um, and it is just a special thing that you know they wound up in the same town together. They grew up in the same town, you know. Jack is a younger guy. Yorma was actually friends with Jack's older brother, Chick. Um, and when they started playing in bands, you know, Jack Cassidy was the lead guitar player in Yorma Kalkinen's band. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He was the lead guitar player. Yorma was a rhythm guitar player. That's why he plays such great rhythm guitar. He's very, you know, not people, many people give him credit for that because he's such a great lead guitar player and he's known for that. But he's really an unbelievable rhythm guitar player. And, um, and they had this band, The Triumphs. Um, it was a, Jack played guitar, lead guitar. Mm-hmm. Yoma played rhythm guitar. And I forget who the drummer was uh, and the bass player, you know. But, uh, yeah, so that's how that started out. So they've been playing together a long, 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 long time, you know. Yeah. And it and it shows. It's like, you know, so they get together and they they just kind of play together. And, you know, um, and it just works and happens. And for a, a guy like me throughout the 90s that got to sit next to alongside or in the middle of the two of those guys. I mean, I was like, I thought to myself at times, I'm thinking like, I don't know if, if you remember the movie Zelig. Yeah. Uh, Woody Allen. Woody movie, Allen. Yeah. Where, where Zelig is always in the middle of some crazy thing. That just, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's sometimes how I felt, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking to myself, we're playing some gigantic festival. I'm, I'm sitting on stage with Omer and Jack. I'm thinking to myself, how did this metamorphosis happen, man? It's just wow. unbelievable. You know, one time we were doing a show uh, at, at in Berkeley for Wavy Gravy, and it was the end of the night. We are going to do a jam, and on stage were, on my far right, on stage right, was Dr. John, Jack oh Cassidy, <laughs> Yorma, me, Bob Weir, Bonnie Raitt, um, uh, Snooky, the guy who played in, um, oh, I forget what band he played, a saxophone player. I mean, it was just, I'm, I'm looking up and down the line going like, holy crap, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, man, I and I, yeah. I wonder about stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not, you know, I belong here, but more of the sense like that's why you're up there is because you are one of them. 
Uh, you know, it, it's hard when you're looking, thinking about yourself. I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I think about myself, you know, in my mind, you know, I, I jokingly say I'm closing in on 70 now. I'll be 70 in a couple of months. In my mind, when I wake up every morning, I'm 27 years old. Yeah, man, you know, I get that. Only for, only for about 30 seconds. And then I realize, oh, crap. Yeah. But, but, you know, so, you know, it's hard to, as you go through all this stuff and one thing happens and the other thing happens. You know, like when I wound up in the New Riders of the Purple Sage, another band I loved as a kid and I played their music all over New York, you know, growing up. Right. And I wind up in the band. I'm just thinking, I, I don't know. Is it, it, it? Sometimes I think, is it surreal? Is it real? Mm -hmm. Am I in some kind of like crazy dream and I'm going to wake up one morning and go like, oh, that didn't happen. <laughs> that was just a dream. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, you know, or, you know, fortunately, there's a lot of records out there that we can, I can point you, to and go, you got oh, proof. what happened? Yeah, that shit <laughs> happened, man. Now, you know. <laughs> so you still don't give yourself full credit then? Even uh, you I know, no, you can. I, Melanie, I got to go with you on that one. No, I, I okay. don't. You know, I, it's it's, okay. it's hard. The answer to, doesn't need to be right or wrong. Yeah. I just wonder. It, yeah, you know, yeah. No, it's, it's it's a little hard. You know, it's just like I can get, I can see how it happened. You know, <laughs> I could put, I could put, I, you know, I could, I could go from point A to point B to C, D, and A, all on down the alphabet, and I can see how it happened. But you know, when I think of the kid, I was mm -hmm. playing in bands on Long Island playing the music of all these people I wound up going on to either be in the band with for a long time or, or playing with a lot like Levon Helm, Garth Hudson, Rick Danko, you know, Commander Cody. And it's hard for me to think that, you know, somehow, I don't even know how I, it's like, sometimes they go like, I don't know how it happened. Right. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, get okay. part. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. You, t you talk about like, that thing of waking up in the morning feeling like you're 27. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I'm, I'm going to be 50 next year. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that I'm that 50 year old guy. Like it yeah. doesn't make sense. And right. I don't feel like that at all. No. And, well, you know, I, th I think that you and I, uh, and probably, you know, I kind of put you in the same generation as I am. I'm 20 years older than you, but that's, you know, and you're almost 10 years older than I am. But we're all sort of in the same world. Right. And, you know, when we were growing up, a 50-year-old or a 70-year-old was like ancient. Right. You know. So uh, 30-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Well, at one point, yeah. Don't trust at anybody over point, 30. That's right. At one point, 30 was like ancient. Then you get to be 30 and you go like, Hey, wait a minute. Thirty's not that bad. Yeah. Forty-year-olds, though. You got to be careful of those forty-year-olds. <laughs> then you get to be forty, you know. And then you roll up on. Then you roll up on fifty, you know. And I, I remember when I turned fifty, we had a big party, uh, a show in New York City, and Levon Helm played it, and I think uh, Hubert Sumlin, uh, Howard Wolf's guitar player, played the show. And you know, I remember thinking to myself, and I actually said this on stage, something to the effect that you know, when I was younger. You know, I never dreamed I would make it to 50. I didn't. You know, 50 was like, you know, when you're 25, 30 years old, 50 is like 100 years away, mm -hmm. you know. And then, and the other thought in my mind was, why would I even want to be 50? You know, yeah. what what good is going to come of me turning 50? <laughs> and then, of course, I turned 50 and I'm going, now I'm just praying for another 10 years. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. And that was 20, and that was 20 years ago. So, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think when I look back on it now, 
50, I was just coming into like some like stride that I was like, okay, I'm comfortable with this now. I could do this. I really could do it. Yeah. You know, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, you that, that rings I, true. I, I remember going back to 20, being 27. And this is a funny story. When I was 27, I went to this astrologist. He was world famous. Uh, his name was Walden. And he was in Northern California. And, um, you know, he did my whole chart. He drew, he drew up this beautiful chart for me and had all this, this crazy stuff in there. And he, was, he said, you know, things are going to work out for you uh, musically. You're going to do some kind of – there was no term for jam band at the time. So he thought it was more jazz, you know, some where you expand on the music. So he, he didn't really know. He's, but the, the kicker to the whole thing was – but so he's talking to me. I'm 27 now, and and he goes, and he goes, and and, and he thought this was good news. And, goes, and the good news is you're really going to come into your stride in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. Oh. And I'm thinking to myself, what is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time, thinking. I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I, I don't know if I can curse here on the radio. but Yeah, no, you can. Please do. <laughs> I said, what the fuck are you talking about, man? 50? Are you crazy? You know? That no way. I'm not, and I, I, I thought to myself, you know, I just, and I folded the whole chart away and I put it away and I didn't think about it for, you know, I thought about it heavily for about a year. And then I never thought about it again. But then when I turned 50, I realized that man was right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my 40s, um, you know, I, I toured extensively with Hot Tuna. I, I, I was in Hot Tuna in my, you know, early 30s. In 83, I, I, you know, I started in uh, Hot Tuna. Um, I actually started playing with Yorma in the late 70s, early 80s, and then Hot Tuna in 83. And then, you know, through through the 90s with Hot Tuna. So it just, the whole thing just kind of like materialized. So, how, and then, and, go ahead. How, how did that come about? Like, you're this guy playing gigs in New Jersey, and then all of a sudden, you're playing with Yorma and Hot Tuna. How did yeah. that happen? Well, and first, well, I wasn't playing. In, I only moved to New Jersey ten years ago. Oh, okay. I live everywhere. For, I live everywhere for ten years, except when I live in well, except when I lived in New York City. There, I lived for thirty years. But I lived in San Francisco for ten years. Okay. What happened was I was living in New York as a youngster, and this girl I knew had moved, uh, graduated from high school, and right away moved to San Francisco because she wanted to go to San Francisco. And I thought that was pretty brave for a young kid to do, but I wasn't that adventurous. Although I flown and i've been to california a couple of times before that so we were talking she said you know i i'm i'm running this hair salon in san francisco everybody comes to this place it's called mr broadway's it's the rock and roll hair salon everybody comes here to get their hair cut yorma mccalkinen jack cassidy carlos santana all the guys in the grateful dead they all come in here it's like a big party place and i've become really good friends with yorma mccalkinen and jack cassidy and i'm thinking to myself what are you talking about? You're like eight, 17 years old. What are you, <laughs> you know? So I, she goes, you should really come out here. I can introduce you to these guys. They're really good guys. They're really nice. I'm thinking, 
you know, and at that particular moment in time, it was like the late 70s, I thought to myself, you know what? There's just nothing happening here in New York. I was living in New York at the time. Nothing happening for me. I'm just going to get in the car and go, you know? Oh, so wow. January 1 of uh, 1977, I got in the car with my friend. We had a van. I had a van. And we drove across country. And we made some stops along the way, visited some friends and got to San Francisco. And shortly thereafter, I... As she said, she introduced me to Yorma. We became fast friends. I met Jack. Actually, met Jack before I met Yorma, um, which is a long story. Um, and, and you know, things just sort of fell into place. There was no like, I'm meeting you guys, and I'm going to be in the band with you guys. Mm -hmm. That was like the last way, 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 way. It wasn't even in my mind. <laughs> you know, like right, right, right. it was in the way, way back in my mind. It wasn't even in my mind. It was like, wow, I couldn't believe I'm talking with, you know, um, with Yorma Kalkinen. This is unbelievable. Guitar player from the Jefferson airplane, hot tuna. I saw hot tuna at the Palladium. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and then, you know, one other funny thing that happened at Mr. Broadway, the hair salon that she was, she was the manager of. Um, I went in to get my hair cut one day and I sit down in the chair, you know, I'm just a little bewildered. Now, Mr. Bravo's was a party place. They had wine, wine in the water cooler. I mean, it was just like one of those kind of like fun San Francisco places in the late, uh, mid to late seventies that doesn't exist anymore. Right. And probably existed nowhere else in the country, but it was really funny. So I sit down in the chair and then I, as I'm sitting there, I'm talking to the guy or the woman that was going to cut my hair. She talk, we're talking, blah, blah, blah. And then I look over to my left and I realize, hey, wait, that's Carlos Santana. Mm. I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, I'm sitting next to Carlos Santana. And I look to my right and, hey, that's Mickey Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, this is a crazy world. I love San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, <laughs> yeah it, so it, i mean it's it, it's just one of those crazy things and you know and because of all the years of, of you know I, I played with the boys in hot tuna and the new riders and the band and the, and commander code and all those guys you know i i and, and the zen tricksters who i've been friends with for 25 30 years and you and jack for almost 45 years um you know i met a lot of people so again getting back to the record a kaleidoscope christmas you know, when I wanted to do it, I just called everybody up and everybody went, yeah, sure. It sounds like a great idea. And like I said earlier, I'm glad, so glad that the Cosmos said, we're not going to put this out in 2019. We're going to wait. It's going to seem a little stressful, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. but we're going to put it out in 2020. And it was, it's been such a great, wild, successful ride. And, and, it, and it's brought such joy and happiness to people. I'm so happy that it came out this year. Because, you know, a lot of crazy things happened once I put it out. In fact, I was sold out of the first pressing even before it came out. What? Simply, all I did was put a little note on my Facebook page saying, hey, listen, if anybody's interested, I'm putting out this Christmas album. If anybody's interested, um, you can buy an advanced copy uh, from me. At pay, just PayPal me 12 bucks at my email address, pilgrims96 at AOL.com. And I got so many orders so quickly that PayPal shut me down. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And so, which never happened before with any release I've ever put out. 
So I thought, oh, wow, you know, and I, I'm really onto something here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Dennis McNally, I don't know if you know who Dennis McNally is. That's that's how yeah. we ended up talking. That's, that's right. That's how we ended up talking. You know, he came on board and said, let me promote this for you. And, you know, so he got me a lot of great interviews like yours. Uh, and he also, you know, cr- in some crazy twist of fate again, this happens to me a lot in my life. Yeah. In some crazy, <laughs> yeah, in some crazy twist, something that happened that has never happened in anything that I've ever done. Rolling Stones did a piece on me. Oh. <laughs> Rolling oh. Stone magazine, you know? And I thought to myself, wow, this is unbelievable. You know, all I, I just figured I'd put out a Christmas record and some, my fans would like it and some Yorma fans would like it. Some new writer fans would like it, but it seems to be pretty universal. And, you know, I've Big gotten time. airplay all over the world, um, you know, and I'm really, really happy. You know, I've sold a lot of copies and, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I've given a lot of copies away to people who just you know, said they couldn't afford it. So I give it, give it to them. Right. I've donated a, a ton of the money, almost all the money to, um, uh, toys for tots, the U S Marines toys for tots oh. program. It's, it's, a, it's a charity I've, I've been supporting since I was younger. Um, so I was happy to do that. You know, it's just, you know, I'm just playing it forward as best, as best I can, you know, you know, musical Santa for the yeah, a little bit. exactly right yeah Yeah, exactly right you know i mean i never thought of it that way but thanks for putting it that way i'm going to use that from now on going forward you know (laughs) i wish i wish i wish this was my first interview uh, I would have been using that all for like four, five weeks now. You know? Oh man! You know, but you, as as fate would have this, um, you guys, I think, are going to be my last interview for the album before Christmas, uh, which is really great. And I'm really happy to yeah here because I'm having a lot of fun talking with you guys. Yeah, we are too. Know? I um, think I'm gonna. Yeah. I, you know, we're talking. It's the 23rd right now. I think what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put this out tomorrow and let everybody right. have it on Christmas Eve. You know. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd man. Be great. You know, uh, see, see if they dig it. You know. Yeah. Definitely dig it. You were. I just right. want to mention uh, Pete on the uh, piano Pete Sears. Yeah, on the boogie woogie Christmas. Oh man, that's my one of my favorite piano solos of all time. Now you know, piano players are funny. It's a funny breed, piano players. Yeah. They they're always like, I don't know, did I did I play too much or did I play not enough? And I, I have to tell Pete, I said, every time I hear that piano solo on Boogie Woogie Christmas, I smile. It is so honky tonk mm-hmm. and so authentic. You know, I mean, that piano solo is like, I, you know, Pete always knocks me out. I, you know, he and I have a lot, a lot of miles on the road together as well. We had we played in the Yorma Calcutta Band together. We played in Artunity together and we played in the Yorma Calcutta Trio together all over the world. Oh, wow. You know, and, um, you know, so we have a, a, we have a tight connection. And again, when I called him up and said, Pete, I really want you to play on this record. He's like, yeah, send me the tapes. Again, there was no music business discussion about money or time or when or which. Just send me the tapes. I'll play on it. You know? and, and the stuff he played was just like, I just love it. And the, and the, the surreal sort of uh, stuff he played on Bethlehem Requiem for oh, Diana, yeah. that stuff to me is just, it's hard to know to even hear it because everything is like sort of, playing together in sort of this swirl but there's an organ underpinning to that whole tune that he did that you know before it was a good tune without it you know i thought it would 
I thought it was going to, it was, that's how it was going to put it out. Right. But once he laid that piano, the, the organ stuff on, and then that, the, the, the it's very sparse, the piano, but he, it's all perfect. Perfect you know? color. You know, I mean, I, I love Pete. He's a really great human being, um, number one, and he's a monster player. I mean, the, 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 the my favorite Pete, Pete, Pete Sears stories is this. Before he was in Hot Tune, we met him the night before we were gonna, going to re- record Live at Sweetwater. We were re- going to record there for three nights, which we did, and we put out two albums, Sweetwater 1 and 2. But we met him the night before. We were at a banquet for something. I think it was a save or benefit again. And... um he was like doing some lounge piano playing over there on the side and Yarmer and I were walking around and Yarmer said, you know, who's that? I go, it's Pete Sears, I think, you know, he goes, let's go talk to him. So we started talking to him. He knew who we were and we were talking. And then, um, and Yarmer goes, you know, we're going to be at Sweetwater tomorrow. Why don't you come down, play a couple of tunes with us? Yeah, sure. Pete says, what time do you want me there? We told him, you know, we're going to get set up around in the afternoon, you know, mm-hmm. the usual stuff. So he comes down, he sets up, but you know, the Sweetwater stage was pretty small. And because we were also shooting a video, there was cameras and there was lights, action camera everywhere. So, you know, there was limited space. So Pete had to set up in back of us. Okay. Now musicians like to, if you haven't played with somebody before, you always want to play set up in front of them. So you can see where their hands are moving around on the guitar. You can see where they're moving around on the bass guitar. Okay. You can kind of follow a little bit better, but he had to set up in back of us. And so the plan, the original plan was, well, come out, we'll, you know, we're going to do a couple of songs. So we sound checked a couple of songs. So, um, so just before we're getting ready to go on, on night one for set one, you know, we're, we're talking, it was me, Yorma, Jack, and Pete, we're, you know, and Pete was saying, when do, when do you want me to come up? And we're going, well, I don't know, how about, how about then? How about now? What, what do you think? Maybe, you know, and then we just decided, well, why don't you just come up with this and just play, right? And he came out and played with us for three nights on every single song. <laughs> and when you listen to Sweetwater 1 and 2, I swear to God, it sounds like he's been playing that music his whole life. There was no rehearsal. He'd never heard a song before. Wow. He didn't go home and do woodshed for a week. <laughs> you know, He just sat down and played the music. And some of it, you know, some of it's traditional stuff, so it's pretty simple. But some of that hot tuna stuff is pretty complex, and you yeah. got to really be paying attention. So that's what I love about Pete Sears. I mean, uh, you know, he's a monster player and a monster, you know, human being. Really. You know, you brought something up that <clears throat> I want to touch on, man. The, the thing that I found in, so we've been doing the podcast three years. It started as a Grateful Dead centered pod podcast. And then, yeah, yeah, and then, right. but, but it's, it's gone way beyond that at this point, but right, right. the Grateful Dead family, the right. musical family that surrounds and is born out of that are the most gracious, humble, down to earth, kind human beings that I've come into contact with the real like salt of the earth people that would literally give you the shirt off their back. And that's what you've been describing this whole time with all of it. Like I I call these guys up. There's no discussion of music business bullshit. It's just, Hey, let's, let's have fun together and make music and make people happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I try, I always try and do the best I can financially with everybody, but there's never a discussion about it. Nobody's right. ever said to me, I have to have this much money. And nobody's, after I paid somebody, nobody's ever said, well, you know, that's not enough or that's too much. <laughs> Nothing. There's none of that. It's just right. like, you know, everybody's just there to do it. And, you know, here's the thing. We all play on everybody's record. So it's kind of silly almost to pay anybody because if I pay you, you got to pay me. 
you know, we're just, we're <laughs> trading know? money back and forth. Exactly. <laughs> now, if you need some money, you let me know if I got it, I'll give it to oh, you. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in, in, I don't know how it is. Well, I do know how it is because I am sort of, um, in the blues world uh, a little bit as well. And it's a little different there. It's a little bit more, um, uh, Hardcore. I don't know what the word is, Perf- but it's prof- it's not quite not as um, yeah. It's not quite as you know uh, free right. going um, as it is in this little circle of people. And, and again, I've gotten to play you know with just about every member of the Grateful Dead. I never got to play with Jerry, unfortunately, because he passed away too soon. I'll never forgive him for that. <laughs> um, Me either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, or Janice, for that matter, because you know she she was friends with everybody I became friends with. So I'm pretty certain I would have gotten to play with her at some, point. Mm. <laughs> you know, maybe next lifetime. Yeah, next um, time around. Yeah, um, but yeah, all the guys I've played with, all the San Francisco guys. You know, I played with John Cipollina a few times. He's a really nice guy. You know, we we you know clicked because we both like Les Paul Juniors to guitar. You right. know, and in fact, I think the very first time I played with Buddy Cage uh, was with John. We, he was playing the Chichi Club, a little teeny little club in San Francisco. And I went to see him and he said, you want to come up and play a song? And I got up and played Truck Driving Man, mainly because I knew Buddy Cage was on the gig uh, sitting there. And I thought, oh, I got to play Truck Driving Man with Buddy Cage. Yeah. You know, and um you know, uh, you know, the whole San Francisco scene when I got there, that's how it was. And I was, you know, I was in the San Francisco scene. I went there in 77, uh, January of 77 or, or late in 76. I don't remember that now. Um, and, you know, so I was there through the sort of acid rock hippie stuff. Mm-hmm. And then punk rock came to town, which is really crazy. You know, I even saw the Sex Pistols at Winterland. Whoa! Go, go figure. <laughs> you know, that... and and you know, so I was there for a lot of changing of the guards, and it was always you know the whole San Francisco scene, even the punk rock scene, was really like open and free and come on in. Yeah. It, you know, I I never got that exclusive thing that you get in some clicky towns, you know, uh, San Francisco is, it's, it's a unique place, you know, a really unique place. And that, um, that, that non, non exclusivity thing is a, at least from a fan's perspective and somebody that's paid attention to this for 30 plus years. Like that's to me is the thing that allows rare talent to develop because it's not exclusive. You can yeah. you could be the kid that is a prodigy in his bedroom and, and his friend hears him and is like, you know what, man, you should come play with us. And, you know, and right. then the next thing is born out of that. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, there were a couple of guys that, or kids, you know, that were coming up in this sort of, I'll go back to the punk rock or new wave phase, like 77, eight, nine, um, that I took akin to, and I thought, you know, these they're really good. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond get away from all this craziness, they're really good. And I kind of I, I did my best to hook them up with record companies and did my best to give them some guidance. Of course, uh, none of them really panned out because you know when you're young, young, 
you're 17, 16, 17 years old, you think you know everything. Oh, yeah. Um, I did. Uh, I sure turns did, out, too. I didn't know a goddamn thing. Mm -mm. <laughs> but, but you passed it and you navigated. How did you do that yeah. versus other 17, 18? Yeah, you know, that's a tough one. You know, I think that that's just something, you know, I have the saying, perseverance pays off, you know. Um, you just got to stay in it, you know. Uh, when I teach at Yarmouth Camp or, or if I teach or I'm lecturing or I talk to you know, younger musicians, I always tell them, look, number one, if you're discouraged easily or if you're faint of heart, uh, just get out now because it's not going to work out for you. <laughs> you know, oh, shit. you got you got to be ready to just take the punches as they come, take the good when they come, take the bad when it comes and just keep pushing forward, you know, and, you know, and then and, and still something may or may not happen. You know, who knows? You know, it's um, the luck of the draw. It's about the happening, it's about the doing. I think it's about the doing, yeah. I think you really have to do it and then just stay in it, you know. I mean, I know a lot of great, great musicians. I mean, you know, way more talented than I am that have fallen by the wayside because they just they just didn't they didn't care enough or they just not maybe not didn't care enough is not the right term. Um they just didn't have the, the will. Yeah, the they will didn't have the will to do, you mm -hmm. know. Because it's, it can get discouraging at times, you know? You know, like people always ask me, did you ever have any other kind of job? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, a lot, you know? I mean, when I was younger, you didn't think I, I was making a living playing music, making, you know, $50 for the band? No, you know, you have to have jobs. You go do what you got to You do what you have to do. You go play your gigs. You go home. You know, you, you, if the gigs, you know, the gigs are complete failure, it's only a failure if you didn't learn something from that gig, you know, then it's a failure, then you right. fail, you know, but if you've done the gig and it was a complete failure and it's a complete mess up, right. But there's something that you knew, okay, well I did, I, I need to change that or I need to, I did this wrong. I shouldn't have done that or I should have promoted it better. You know, um, you know, and I have learned over the years, all these little things that, make things happen, you know? Oh, yeah. uh, but then again, you know, there are things that happen that come as um, a, a total, you know, fluke from left field. For instance, um, you know, I have this thing I do called the English Town Project. And the English Town Project is a band I put together with some of the Zen Tricksters and some of the guys from Dead Sage and, and, uh, and a few other people. And what happened was I was on the road with new writers for 15 years and everywhere I went, it seemed somebody would come up to me at just about every gig and say, I saw the writers at English town or I was at English town in, in 77. And, you know, it was my first dead show. It was my first new writer show. It was the first time I saw Marshall Tucker, <laughs> you know, you know, and for those who don't know, I'm sure most in Grateful Dead world know that that English Town was this gigantic show that the Grateful Dead put on with the new Riders of the Purple Sage and Marshall Tucker yeah. in English Town, New Jersey, on September 3rd, 1977. And so, you know, I was just thinking in my head, you know, everybody, everybody was there, everybody loved that show. Maybe what I what I should do is put a little band together just for fun. And go play the music that was played in English Town. You know, we'll play some Grateful Dead, we'll play some New Riders, and we'll play some Marshall Tucker. Okay. And and we'll just have some fun, you know? So I called up the guys, you know, the guys from the Zen Tricksters and my friend Rob Wilson. And actually, I spoke to Rob Wilson first. 
and Cliff Black from the Zen Tricksters. Mm -hmm. And I told them, and they both said, yeah, that's, that's a fun idea. That's, that's cool. Why don't, why don't we, you know, call up Pete Shapiro and see if he's interested in maybe he'll book us. So Pete Shapiro, for those who don't know, uh, own and runs uh, the Capitol Theater here on the East Coast and the Broken Bubble, however many there are now around the country. There's the three? You know, there's several. Um, anyway, so I called him up. I said, you know, we've got this idea. He loved the idea. Let's do it at the Brooklyn Bowl. So I figured, okay. So he gave us a date. Right? And it was a Sunday and a holiday weekend. So I figured that's always tough, you know. But, and so the turnout's going to be, you know, it's going to be real light. Nobody's going to come to this thing. But we'll go and have some fun anyway. Because, you know, there's a lot of great music that was played that day. You know, and you could just pick a handful of great songs, a handful of Bill Rabbit songs, a handful of uh, Marshall Tucker songs, and you've got some great, unbelievable songs to play. Yeah, right? for sure. So, so we so we got the date, we did it, we rehearsed one time, and we um, showed up to the gig, and 500 people showed up. Oh, shit. And I was like, I'm stunned. I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> wow. And, um, and so the next morning, I called up my agent, uh, Phil Simon from Phil Simon uh, Booking. Oh, Simon says Booking. And I said, you know, I did this thing. You know, they told it. I called the English Town Project. It's these guys, and he's worked with all the guys from his interests. In fact, booked his interests for years. Because I love all those guys. Goes, well, how did I come up? Tell them the whole story. Because well, yeah, let me see if I can book it. So you know, which is essentially the same story that happened with the new writers. Um, so. We, Hey, I hey. gave him a couple of days, and the next, the next thing I knew, I, you know, that one show turned into seventy shows, and had COVID not come to town, I would have, you know, we we had shows booked after New Year's Eve, you know, uh, of this year of twenty twenty. Oh. You know, that that put the brakes on everything, you know. Hey, but it, hey. but it, when we, when we were doing it, it was great fun. Yeah, COVID put the brakes on it. You know, like I said, uh, we had planned to do the one show. That was it. You know. Um, and then, you know, as fate would have it, uh, fate wanted to do more shows <laughs> you know, before the COVID thing hit, probably had already played in a year and a half, probably 60 shows sold out the, you know, a lot of big places that we've been playing, we played the stone pony in New Jersey, uh, you know, in Asbury park, famous stone pony played it multiple times, uh, packed that place, um, yeah. played all over the New York and, but we were booked out, like I said, um, till the end of the year, till till New Year's, and unfortunately, uh, that all came to a grinding halt. So hopefully, in 2021, um, you know, we can get that back and running. But what I was getting at a minute ago, you know, I was saying, you know, we were only going to do the one show. The thing that with the new Riders of the Purple Stage, when Buddy Cage called me up and said, you know, we're thinking about putting the new Riders back together, he and David Nelson. And, um, you know, do you want to be in it? I said, sure. And so, you know, he asked me to help you know, book a couple of shows. So we booked five shows and they sold out immediately. And again, it was only going to be those five shows. That was it. It wasn't going to be anything beyond that. And then, you know, we had a fun five shows. And I said to the guys, it was me, uh, Buddy, David, Johnny Markowski, and Pankwe. Uh, I said, you know, I don't know, guys, we'll do this some more. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I said, you know, I have an agent. Let me call him up. And within a week, he'd booked us like a ton of shows. And that, <laughs> that was like November of 
2004 or five. And next year we played a hundred shows and we played a hundred shows every year after that. And then Jesus. towards the end over the last couple of years, we were playing like 75, 80 shows. And then Buddy and David got, got sick. So we had to put it on hiatus for a minute. Um, and Buddy passed away, unfortunately. But uh, in 2020, uh, we were scheduled to do four shows, big shows, festivals and, and big shows on the East Coast and four on the West Coast. And unfortunately, we know what happened. Yeah, man. Uh, 2020 and COVID came to town, shut that down as well. So hopefully 2021, we can get that up and running again. Yeah, as well. our, our fingers are crossed, man. The CD demanded your attention. <laughs> so COVID happened. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to find yeah, a perfect like, you know, spot on it, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, again, to get back to the to, uh, uh, collapse of Christmas, you know, it really gave me something, you know, personally, it gave me something to focus on, you know, because, you know, I, you know, I, I, we want, we, I live in this little town in, in New Jersey and my wife and I went into still isolation and, you know, it gets a little crazy, you know, yeah. and I'm a little depressed. And then, then I thought, okay, I just got to get back to work. And I thought, okay, I'm going to finish this CD. And I know how I was going to do it, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, because of technology and everything, I was able to get it done. And fortunately, I have a friend of mine who has a little studio right near where I live here. It's called Skylab. Dan Sky has this place called Skylab. And I was able to, just me and him, uh, go to the studio and work on the stuff mix it, get, you know, send the tracks out to the, you know, to the other guys like Yorma, Jack and Pete. They were able to work at home. They sent their tracks back. I met, married them to the masters. And, you know, uh, it, I, I, like I said, I, I was able to focus on that and keep my mind off of all this craziness that's going on. Right. Not only COVID, the election and everything else, you know, all the other crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, you know, it was a really a godsend for me personally, and I'm really happy um, that it's gotten such a great response, and it seems to be bringing joy and happiness to a lot of people, you know, um, and more than that, I don't think I can ask for. You yeah, know? absolutely. And I, I, see, I, we'll, see, we'll see what happens in the coming year. Yeah, you know? man. It's a Christmas miracle. Totally. And I, I th- <laughs> yeah, there you go. It started out with you giving you back, you know, getting rid of the depression, giving you a little bit more focus, something to put your energy in, and and it brought your friends together, and it it it, now it's raising spirits like that. Well, and and also I think that because of COVID and and everybody's at home and Christmas feels weird this year and everything's strange that, that something like this can give a shine, a little bit of light, man. And I, I know that like, for me, I, I'm one of those people. I love Christmas time, man. And I'm feeling it this year. And and I put the CD on tonight. Mel and I were sitting here in the studio listening to it. And I, when it was over, I was like, you know what? That made me feel like Christmas again. So (laughs) good. So I'm happy. Well, we need it. I got to tell you, a lot of people have been saying that to me. A lot of people love the songs and I really appreciate that. You know, um, you know, even, even, you know, the most, uh, you know, uh, jaded musicians go, that's, this is really a good one. (laughs) Yeah, man. I agree, brother. (laughs) Um, you know, know, 
I, th- I think it's just something that really makes people happy. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun listen, you know, there's nothing heavy happening, um, <laughs> you know, um, and, and, you know, like, I mean, when I listen to the Jingle Bells Jingle Jam, even though I sort of put it together, it's my arrangement of Jingle Bells. I married it to the Jingle Jam. You know, when I listen to it, I go like, that is really great. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. That's see. It's almost like I'm listening to it from another person's perspective. You know what I mean? That's cool, man. That's, you know yeah. what? I, I had like, to. Wow. Yeah. 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 Usually that doesn't happen. I got to be honest. You know, I'm too critical of my, like most musicians, I'm too critical of myself. But I think because this one is uh, what it is, you know, a holiday record and, it's just it's just different for me. I'm just listening and going like, that's a pretty good song. I like that song. Yeah, man. Who is that? Like, oh, it's <laughs> hey, <Eddie>. that's you. <laughs> you reflect and, and really appreciate your music at this certain time. Really yeah, great. yeah, and yeah, and let's let's just keep our fingers crossed and our eyes peeled towards the horizon of 2021 and hope. Yeah, that- we can only hope, right? I mean, uh, it's, <sighs> it's a little it's a little crazy still. It's dicey. Uh, it's I, I think it's going to get. It's going to stay dicey for a while, and hopefully it gets better. You know, I mean, I mean, I I, I do think it's going to get better. It's got to, of course. I, I, you know, um, at some point there's going to, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a bit worse before it gets better. But you know, if everybody, if you're smart about it, you know, um, uh, I think you can get to the other side. You know, like I was talking with Yama recently, and. Um, we were talking about this, you know, and, he, and I was saying, yeah, I just really feel like going playing a gig. And he's basically saying, look, you got to stay alive to play gigs later on. So getting playing one gig now that you're going to risk your life to play, you know, uh, might not be a good idea. Wow. You know, of course, he's done that, it, but, uh, you know, uh, but even he's slowing that down now, um, you know, as, as, as going forward, uh, because it's, it's just getting. Yeah, it's just getting a little too crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Well, uh, Michael, I want to say thank you from all of us here, man, for what you've done and for giving us some of your time. I I really really appreciate it, and I'm excited to give this to to our listening family as a little Christmas Eve gift for them. All right, all right. Well, thanks for having me, and yeah, I had a man. great time talking with you guys. You know. I, you know, anytime you need to speak, we, we'll we'll speak again. I'm sure in the future. Oh yeah, I'm always do, I'm always doing some project with somebody. You know, you know. Hang um, on, hang on one sec. Go ahead, Apple. I, hey, hey, Michael, th- this is Apple and the third uh, host here of No Simple Road. Hey, he, he came in. He came in late. I came, yeah, I came in. I work in the cannabis industry, and we are just so busy right now. So I got home. I I, I walked in here about. 12 13 minutes ago so i've been listening all right I, I, i'm sorry i wasn't here for the whole thing but i just want the same thing i want to thank you so much for being on the show and putting this album out when love is so needed in this world right now well i appreciate that and uh you know i you know i wrote for 2012 24 for you right yeah that's right <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, on that, man that, that's a fun that's the final story and i was we, i was eating dinner with my wife and we're talking about the album and recording it. And I was going to be recording this song and that song tomorrow. And blah, blah, blah. he says, yeah, you should write a 420 Christmas song. And I said, what do you mean? Like, you know, it's Christmas Eve and I smoke more weed than I should have. And as soon as I said it, <laughs> as soon as I said it, I thought, 
now that's going to become a song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're cracking up to that with Aaron and I now. Hashtag goals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yes, you know. we will definitely talk again, my friend, and it, it's right. an honor. Thank you, man. All right. Over here in our household, so thank you for that. I really appreciate you, and have a wonderful Merry Christmas. You too. All you guys. Thanks Merry for Christmas, Michael. You. Take care, man. Stay, stay safe out there. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays and have a great new year. You too, man. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Right, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Right,
anybody? tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. It features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.